Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. You can Sing have all of me. Sing have all of me. WTLC AM, W236 CR, Indianapolis. Keeping you informed with what's happening in and around Indy. It's Community Connection. Brought to you by Child Advocates. Your voice, their future. On Praise AM 1310, 95.1 FM. And good afternoon and welcome to Community Connection. I'm Tina Cosby. Today is Tuesday, December the 5th. On the show today, well, quite a bit, actually. Uh, We're going to hear about an upcoming community forum for parents uh, looking to make educational choices for their children for the upcoming school year. Uh, The application window for neighborhood infrastructure grants is now open. Now, that's great news for neighborhoods because we're talking sidewalk streets and things of that nature. Grants uh, usually means free money. So anyway, we're going to hear a little bit more uh, about that, and I think that's going to be a welcome conversation. Uh, both of those are going to be in our second hour. At the bottom of this hour, one thirty, the final City County Council meeting of 2023 of this year uh, was held last night. Council Majority Leader Maggie Lewis is going to be with us to break down everything. Again, that's coming up at 1.30. Right now, as we shared with you a short time ago, uh, Indy is set to host, Indy Go, rather, is set to host its next round of Blue Line open houses for community input. Again, we're talking Blue Line, we are talking open houses, and we're talking the opportunity for community input. Um, you know, we can't uh, advise the community a enough about these opportunities, uh, which is why um, I asked uh, Carrie Black uh, to come back with us for, you know, just a brief time just to remind folks um, that we, we're good to our word. We want to let you know. and We want to make sure that you have the opportunity. So those meetings, um, those open houses are going to be getting underway this week. Here now with us, uh, with the final details, is uh, Carrie Black, Indigo Director of Communications. Carrie, um, this is the week, right? This is the week, Tina. How are you? Thanks for having us back. I'm well. How are you? How are you? Good, thank you. Good, yeah. Good, 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 good. Hey, um, I know that we, you know, uh, just very, very quickly, is there any any way we might have word on a replacement for Inez Evans before the end of the year, or should we look for that announcement sometime next year? I think it's probably realistic to look for that um, sometime next year. Uh, We do have an interim replacement uh, that we're naming, and that'll be our current chief development officer, Jennifer Pierce. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're very excited about that. Jennifer's a Mm -hmm. civil engineer. She's Mm -hmm. been, uh, she's no stranger to Indigo. She's been with the agency since early 2020 and been heavily involved in Mm -hmm. some of the major Mm -hmm. projects, really all of the major projects we have going on right now that includes the red lines the purple line and the blue line. So we're very excited that Jenny's going to be able to capitalize upon the wonderful legacy that Inez has left. And then our board of directors plans to be very intentional Mm -hmm. in carrying out a, a nationwide search for our next permanent president and CEO. Well, I will say uh, Indigo uh, has been forthcoming with as much as you have. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, in her last day, I understand her last official day is December 31st. Is that correct? 
That is correct. Okay, okay. I, you know, I had to ask. I'm, you know, not. I, I know that you don't have a whole lot, but I just wanted to ask. So uh, we can look for more on that um, as far as uh, the 2024 year. Sure, and I can and and I can elaborate a little bit in that okay. the uh, board will accept her resignation at our next board meeting next Thursday, and at that time we're also going to celebrate her. You know, I mean, this is bittersweet in that Inez has just made an incredible mark mm-hmm. on Indigo and on the city of Indianapolis in mm-hmm. her nearly five years here. Yeah. Uh, she's been a trailblazer of mm-hmm. a leader and just done some incredible things with ushering in the launch of the Red Line, overseeing the construction of the purple line and the early designs of the blue line and then our major mm-hmm. transition to our yeah. east campus headquarters yeah. over on the far yeah that's side. huge that's huge that's huge yeah, yeah so just to name a few plus she's been award-winning and getting the 2023 um women's transportation seminar woman of the year which is an international organization of women in transportation so mm-hmm. no doubt about it she mm-hmm. is leaving very big shoes to fill mm-hmm. but we are grateful to her for her service we're grateful to this legacy that she is leaving and we are excited and confident that jennifer is going to be able to carry us on on this positive trajectory any any inkling or any word on what uh miss evans next chapter might be not yet. I mean, we know that she is working on that. We know she's not from Indianapolis and does plan to leave the state. But beyond that, um, we'll we'll wait we'll to hear see. from her on our next chapter. Exactly. Yeah, we'll see. Well, thank you, Carrie, because that's that's a lot more than um, than what we have. So thank you. I appreciate that. And again, I appreciate sure. you being so uh, uh, forthcoming with that. We're we're gonna miss her uh, because, yeah. like you said, she's uh, large shoes. Absolutely. Uh, and, but but the, you know the big thing um, and that we get a lot of times, and I know your time is short. So I'm not going to hold you too long, but we hear, I hear on this show a lot. I want, you know, I want people to know, I want to, I want Indigo to know, what have you. So this is the opportunity pertaining to this line uh, for community input. And we really would appreciate, and we really would like for the community to participate. Tell us how they can. Yeah. Absolutely. So we are nearing the 90% design phase. So we are starting to get close to the end. So these meetings are an opportunity for businesses and neighbors along Washington Street to come and view the plans for the Blue Line and to offer any feedback that they may have. So for businesses, we want to know how do the current plans affect access to your business? How will it affect deliveries to your business? What are uh, some things that you would recommend for neighbors in terms of detours once construction starts uh, the best way to run the detours through the area that would be safe but also effective so that's what we want to hear right now we have been working very hard uh, to build relationships with the community this is not the Mm -hmm. first set of meetings we've had on the blue line and it won't be the last but we just want to encourage people to take advantage of these opportunities to come review the plans as they stand now and to offer that feedback and the blue line primarily in in simplest terms, east-west? Yeah, so that's a great question. So the Blue Line will run 24 miles along Washington Street from Cumberland to the Mm -hmm. city's far east side to the airport. So it will... Very uh, along Washington Street. Let me be specific mm-hmm, here. Mm-hmm. It will very closely mimic our current Route 8, which also runs to the airport. But it's just going to provide much more uh, enhanced, a much more enhanced rider experience. So when we talk about bus rapid transit, we're talking about dedicated bus lanes. 
that allow the bus to travel independent of regular traffic, um, which allows it to just have a faster transit time. We're talking about elevated stations. That include things like ticket vending machines and real-time signage and level boarding. And then beyond the transit piece, we're talking about infrastructure improvement that these communities would not see if it wasn't for Indigo mm-hmm. and if it wasn't for these projects. Mm-hmm. That means things like paving, uh, street paving, new sidewalks, ADA curb ramps, uh, and so much more that will be beneficial to folks even if they never ride the bus. But if they simply live along Washington Street or drive along Washington Street, they'll also mm-hmm. receive the, the benefits of the Blue Line. So how, at, at these meetings, and, and, and some of the concerns that have been called in have been uh, stops that have been eliminated and routes that have been altered, uh, how does community impact uh, affect those concerns? Or, you know, uh, does, it, does it change? I mean, like when someone says, hey, this this uh, this stop has been eliminated and, you know, X is going to impact X, Y, and Z negatively. And, you know, this route is now a different, it goes a different way or what have you. I'm just, I'm just guessing. So when, when those things are shared, what's, what's the next step? So I think in terms of some of the things that you're talking about in terms of routes, changing, um, bus stops being eliminated, that's not related to the blue line. That's related more to our future service plans and the things that we're doing overall Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. to enhance our service and to enhance our network. Um, But in regards to to the blue line and just general feedback that is shared, Mm -hmm. our design and engineering team takes that feedback very seriously. They compile all of that and they look at it to Mm -hmm. see what can we do to, to, to make this a better product? What can we do to make sure that we're meeting the community need while still being true to the project and mm-hmm. uh, the benefits that it will offer? It heavily impacted a lot of businesses, no doubt. No doubt. I mean, when mm-hmm. you think about Washington Street and you think about uh, a 24-mile stretch along Washington Street, um, we're talking thousands of businesses that will be impacted. So we encourage people to take this seriously and take advantage of these meetings and come out and look at the plans. We have our engineering team here on site, and they are ready to walk you through how the what the plans currently look like around your business, your home, your neighborhood, answer your questions. And again, if you have some feedback or things you want to share, they're here to take note of that. If you are just learning about the project, we have a video that's playing on loop that you can watch to, for a real quick um, way to bring you up mm-hmm. to speed. And then, of course, we encourage people to go to our website, indigo.net, scroll down to the bottom, and then click on the blue line page, and you can find lots of resources there as well. So the open houses uh, begin tonight. Um, so the open houses start now. Yep. Mm-hmm. They, so we're in one right now from noon until two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then again from five until seven today, tomorrow and Thursday. And they're spread out all along Washington Street so that we're hitting the west side, the east side uh, and the downtown area. So, again, we encourage people to go to our website, indigo.net, mm-hmm. and uh, you can click on the blue line page at the bottom and 
We've got all the details there. You can also go to any of our social media pages as well. Okay, I think I'm about a minute over, but can you forgive me? Uh, <laughs> I, I absolutely can. Okay. Uh, we're very thankful to you for uh, yeah. for giving us an opportunity to, to share important information. Yeah, we really appreciate it too, Carrie. Thank you so much. And again, one is underway now, probably about to wrap up within the next hour because it goes until noon. But there's several other opportunities uh-huh. now through Thursday. Uh, and if you go to indigo.net, um, you can find those. But uh, community uh, open houses as we speak. So uh, get out there and, and have your voices heard. Thank you, Carrie. We will be talking with you again soon. No problem. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. And again, that's Carrie Black, Indigo Director of Communications. Um, Blue Line uh, Bus Rapid Transit Route uh, is nearing design completion. Completion, uh, And Indigo wants to solicit community feedback. Um, and these uh, in-person virtual open houses um December today through uh, the 7th. Um, There will be, during these open houses, uh, as Carrie was, well, no formal presentation, um, but there are opportunities for you to see the projects. Uh, The project, uh, it'll be displayed and uh, you can have direct conversations uh, with Indigo staff about uh, the project. Uh, The other thing Carrie shared with us about the uh, the unexpected uh, resignation of Indigo CEO Inez Evans um, is that um, she is expected to have her resignation accepted by the board meeting on December 14th. Uh, her last day will be uh, December 31st. Uh, she is not expected to stay here in the state of Indiana. She is expected to leave, uh, but at this point in time, we are not aware of where she plans to go, where she will land, uh, what her next chapter is, uh, or anything of the like. Um, at this point, uh, from what it, we've been able to ascertain, the uh, separation uh, is uh, amiable, friendly. Uh, but, you know, that's uh, it's it's somewhat still somewhat surprising. But uh, again, I think Indigo uh, is handling her departure far better. Uh, and based on what I know, okay, okay, based on what I know and what I can tell, Indigo is handling this far better than um, the information that we're getting from new fields, which just every time they speak or make a comment or a uh, a statement uh, about the departure of their uh, CEO, uh, it just raises more questions. I mean, still a lot of questions about Inez Evans still, but uh, again, um, a little bit better uh, job of keeping, um, you know, keeping the information out there and letting us know. So uh, in due time, I think we'll find out more about both. Uh, but until then, you know, we just uh, we'll just uh, we'll just wait to see uh, what we hear. Uh, Newfields, of course, the Museum of Art, uh, where another high power, uh, high profile uh, African American female CEO uh, abruptly uh, resigned, uh, and uh, we know very very little about that. So we do know a little bit more uh, regarding Indigo. Mr. Russell, how are you? How's it going? It's going fantabulously. A great day. Great, great. Great day. Yeah, I, the board meeting on the 14th, uh, are these board meetings open to the public? I would assume that they are. I've never heard. I, You know what? That's a very good question. I've never heard of them be, not being open to the public. And I would think, uh, let me, have you ever been to one? I have not. Oh. I, don't even, I don't even know, you know, when they have them. When they have them or where they have them. You know yeah, what? That's, and I think we should know. 
Yeah, uh, that is a very good question. Uh, let me, uh, Indigo. I can't. I can't imagine that they wouldn't be though. Let me look. Let me look. Let me look. Uh, Indigo board meeting. Uh, how, so, uh, do you? Uh, will you have any use whatsoever? I know you say you ride periodically. Um, any use for the the upcoming blue line? Well, you know, I think I think. Uh, as a fan of Indianapolis, you know, I'm always easy to see improvements. And I think mm-hmm. when you have mass transit for a metropolitan area, it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you remember back in the day, uh, we had uh, urban uh, engine ran all over the, the area, you know. The inner urban, you, you probably mm-hmm. have heard of them. I've heard of it, yeah. Yeah, I mean that that was something uh that was great. I I wasn't around for that time, but can mm-hmm. you imagine, you know, you could ride uh, all over the area on mm-hmm. uh, on these in urban trains and uh of course with the uh automobile uh coming on the scene mm-hmm. uh you know, that went away, but uh now uh I'm always interested in, in mass transit for mm-hmm. people you know, to get around because uh, that's kind of a fundamental mm-hmm. uh, thing that we I, need. I saw a, so. uh, I saw an interurban uh, a replica of one uh, in a museum somewhere. The interurban, uh, but it, yeah, it looks like board meetings are open to the public. They're also um, available to view uh, uh, virtually, if you like, and it looks like they put their meetings online, if you will. Um, Indigo uh, committees and board meetings are held at 9503 East 33rd Street in the boardroom located in our B building. Meetings are available for live stream at their usual times on the Indigo Facebook page. Um, Thursday, Board of Finance meet, uh, Thursday, February 3rd. Yeah, they're all, it's all there. Uh, it looks like they're open. It looks like they're open to the public. Uh, it says to view past uh, make committee meetings, to view governance, so all these different meetings. Um, yeah, I can't, I mean, I, I I can't imagine why it wouldn't be open to the public, but I tell you what, um, I'll find out for absolutely sure. But at this point I would guess that, it, yeah, they absolutely are. Um, now, now here's the thing. Are they open for public comment? I don't know that. Um, uh, but I'm sure the public is welcome to attend. I think they probably have public comment certain meetings and certain meetings they don't. I would suspect that as well. And again, I'm guessing I uh, probably should have asked Carrie that. And thank you for that. That's a really good, really good point, uh, Mr. Russell. Yeah, and you know, uh, uh, like the utility companies, you know, they have uh, their board meetings and they should be, uh, I know uh, Citizen Energy, I think they, publicize this through their monthly mailings mm-hmm. uh, when they're going to have their board meetings. And I think it's good for any public uh, agency like that to, to mm-hmm. do that because, uh, you know, that's, well, that's where the rubber hard, meets the road. It really. is, and I have a hard time thinking that there's not, you know, they're, they're always uh, entitled to go into executive session, uh, you know, need if need be or what have you. But I, I've never, but that I will find out for sure, absolutely will find out for sure for you, Mr. Russell. Okay, great. All righty. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Uh, Pierre, go ahead. How are you? Oh, good afternoon, Tina. Um, 
I heard Cameron uh, Little's uh, interview uh, with Andrew Moorhead Sunday, and I was uh, calling and asked, uh, as, did you have any plans to have her on your show, or have, has she been on your show to discuss uh, her podcast and what she's doing? Not to discuss her podcast. Uh, the last time she was on my show, she and her dad had written a book, and she was telling me that she had a whole lot more uh, coming, uh, you know, a whole lot more in, in the pipeline, but I simply have not had a chance. Cameron um, got a chance to get her there on his show uh, and talk about her, what, her new podcast and, uh, you know, whatever else that she's involved in. I think that that's wonderful. I have not uh, gotten a chance to schedule her well, yet, but I don't have a problem with getting her on. I'd love, to, I'd love having Andrea on. Yeah. Well, you know, she's she she's filled in as, I'm, I'm sorry. What she was talking about was uh, her time at uh, Channel 13 and um, that whole thing. And uh, I thought it was pretty interesting. Talked about workplace bullying. Yeah. And, um, you know, and uh, what went down there. and what Hello. And, um, you know, she also, um, I wanted to, to talk to her about, you know, the legal aspect because a lot of people... Uh, the vast majority of the average workers, they don't have uh, the money or the wherewithal to defend themselves mm -hmm. um, when they go through something like that. I mean, you know, it's you and uh, whatever lawyer you can find that'll take your case against uh, somebody like Barnes and Thornburg or Ice Miller or somebody like that. Mm -hmm. And so there you are. So yeah. I just wanted to know if there was any uh, plans to have her on. But, oh, uh, yeah, I'd love to have Andrea. Andrea is is just such a such a pro and uh, a class act. And like I said, you know, whenever I've called and asked, she's like, yep, absolutely. She has she has filled in as guest host on the show before uh, willingly. So, yes, I you know, that's that's on my list. I, I will definitely get her on. But, you know, workplace bullying, the, the thing of it is, and, and it, it really does take a special kind of person and uh, people like Andrea, I truly truly, truly admire because um, it, it will impact your, uh, you know, for, you know, like anything else, any other workplace, when you take them to task and, and hold them accountable, you know, it, it could go several ways. Uh, and they can try to blackball you. They can, you know, they can try to do a lot of different things. Thankfully, she has uh, persevered and um, has come out on the right side of everything. But she, she took them on and good for her. Uh, I don't doubt that you know, I, I think at every workplace in America, every workplace in America um, probably has a story to tell like Andrea Moorhead in some way, shape, or form. It just does. I mean, I'm sure you know of one. I mean, how long have you been in the workforce? Yeah, um, especially when you got high profile. You know, high profile people, uh -huh. uh, they really need, uh, like, for example, if you're high-profile journalists, black journalists. You know, you would think uh, the National Association of Black Journalists would have, you, you hopefully would have some sort of uh, legal defense fund or something set up for folks. Yeah. In that, in that, in that uh, mm -hmm. would help you... Uh, there is a lobby and there is an advocacy, uh, uh, you know, initiative uh, within that. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. uh. And then for the average person... Uh, quite frankly, a lot of people uh, need to be in union uh, because that's the only uh, protection that you're going to have uh, as a uh, as a, a, a regular 
worker uh, to defend yourself on some of these jobs, but, you know, a lot of folk are afraid to uh, to get into talking about a union or organizing or anything like that, but you need something because these, these corporations, um, uh, they just... Uh, they just devour people, and I mean, you know, they're just—they do you like, like you said, HR is not your friend. And I wish I could get people to believe that. But every time you always hear somebody on the job, well, I'm going to HR. Well, I'm going. Well, you go to HR, and you you see you see what happens because HR is going to watch out for the company, and they ain't watching out for you. But thank you for taking my call, Tina. I appreciate it. All righty. Thank you, Pierre. I appreciate your call. And uh, it was kind of interesting that Pierre just mentioned uh, HR because last week we had a, a local, uh, you know, a native uh, from here, Rob Lowe, not the actor, uh, the, 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 the guy from Indianapolis who uh, is, uh, has transitioned from being a high-powered uh, HR executive. Uh, to a motivational speaker, podcaster, author, you know, you name it, he's out there doing it. And um, he writes in, in his most recent book that we discussed here uh, on the show uh, that, um, you know, he, write it, he wrote, he wrote it, good grief, I need to go back to school. He, as he was writing um, about uh, some of what I called a, a tremendous amount of dysfunction within the HR industry and the ranks within the HR industry. And it was just kind of eye-opening, a little surprising that, uh, as, as you say, Pierre, HR is supposed to be your refuge. But even within HR, there is dysfunction and, and all kinds of problems that... Um, uh, that you just simply would not expect because they're supposed to help other people. And um, some of the dysfunction that he described as he was going along the way in the HR field, um, you know, were just kind of disappointing. But he made a good point. He said they're humans and they're people. And so when you have those uh, elements involved in anything, um, there you go. There you have it. So uh, still quite a bit coming up on the show, quite a bit to do uh, today. Um, one of the things we didn't get a chance to discuss uh, yesterday or even a couple of days ago when it happened, um, and we may have more time to talk about it uh, tomorrow. Or, uh, But that uh, that case of the uh, the IMPD officer involved shooting where the body cam didn't wasn't uh, wasn't activated or wasn't working uh, or was disengaged or something. Uh, it uh, the, the suspect uh, lived. Actually, he lived to be jailed. I think he was arrested on about eight or nine counts. But um, the edited body cam video that was released was not from the officer because the officer's body camera uh, did not engage. And so there's a whole, whole, whole lot to uh, to talk about there. That That is the report from Indianapolis, from IMPD. Um, the the, uh, the suspect's attorney isn't buying it. Uh, you know, others aren't buying it. But you know what? That's a, that's an occupation. That, that's a hazard um, or, or one of the problems when you employ the use of body-worn cameras. Uh, and that is when they work and when they don't work, it raises suspicion when they work. It raises suspicion when they don't uh, as of whether are they really not working or does somebody turn them off. So anyway, I uh, want to get on with that one. Again, maybe we'll get to more on that tomorrow. But just wanted to mention that we did notice it, and we will be uh, talking about it. Jeff, go ahead. How are you? Hey, Tina. How you doing? I am doing very, very well. How about yourself? Well, well you know what you just mentioned about the police cameras and body cam. Mm -hmm. You know, it's definitely 
not a good PR move. And you got to edit it. You got to, they don't work. They malfunction. It's like already red flags already pop up. So, yeah. you know, yeah. you know, I mean, and the only reason we have body cameras is because the good cops refuse to confront the bad cops mm-hmm. because they don't want to rat their butt, you know, they rat, it, rat their fellow yeah. officer out. So, yeah. You but know, you know what, though, Jack? You know, here, here's the thing. It's ahead, te- I'm sorry. No, I'm just saying it's technology, and technology malfunctions. Now, does this technology <laughs> malfunction conveniently, or was it simply organic? That is the problem, and that creates the crisis of trust, even with sure. body-worn cameras. And so it's kind of six-in-one. Have I mean, you know, I don't. It, it's a toughie. It's a toughie. Yeah, it is. It is, and you know, they don't want to give us qualified immunity because. You know, white Republicans feel like they don't get shot, but mm-hmm. black guys and black women get shot, so mm-hmm. they don't have to worry about it. Mm-hmm. They don't have to deal with racist cops because most of their mm-hmm. most of those cops are their relatives. So, you know, and uh, it, it's not about you know uh, harassing law enforcement; it's just about accountability. I mean, last time I checked, no one is above the law except for the orange Jesus. You think he's above the law? Mm-hmm. But I want to talk. I want to change the subject here. What's your take on Elon Musk? I just want I want Tina Cosby perspective on Elon Musk. <laughs> Frankly, why all these businesses are leaving are getting away from him? Yeah, I I, I got I I have a very simple take. I don't like him. I don't like what no I don't like him. I don't like what he represents, and um, I don't know too much more beyond that. I I look at him and I want to turn the TV. I don't I don't care for him. Now, well, as far as you're, you're talking about implications and things of that nature, is that what you're talking about? We know what you know, like Walmart's leaving him, Warner Brothers, Paramount. Mm-hmm. Uh, He's asking Disney. for it. He asked I mean, he for said, it. look, man, we don't want to be involved with your white supremacist nonsense, uh-uh. man. You know, uh-oh. You know, like, uh-huh. this is a bit of man. It's like, you know, uh, obviously he's not a smart businessman. Mm-hmm. The only reason he made his money because he, he did it on the backs of black folks in South Africa, his family, the mm-hmm. ruby mines and all that. That's where his, uh, his wealth comes from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a South African apartheid, baby. Mm-hmm. But, well, he's led a very I mean, charmed life uh, as far as his oh, finances exactly. to catapult yeah. to the the title of world's richest man. Um, I, I don't care for him, and I will never buy a Tesla. So, I, well, <laughs> I mean, you know. Uh, well, you, 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 yeah. Your life might be in danger if you buy a Tesla. Well, yeah, yeah, I get it. I mean, they, 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 they yeah. tend to blow up on people. Yeah, yeah I, I think they're overpriced as well. Beyond oh, they're, and they're overpriced, they're overrated. Overrated, but, yeah. Did you see what he was ranting and raving, using the F-bomb? Yeah, yeah, real class act, wasn't he? Really class act, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, oh, yeah, 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 dude, you're a real class act. Yeah, yeah that's but, the world's but, richest man right there. Yeah, real, yeah, yeah real <laughs> class act, which just goes yeah. to show you, Tina, we, you, and you say it all the time, sometimes... Uh, intellect doesn't go by your income. Mm-mm. You know what I mean? No, not all. Not at all. No, not at I all. I mean, you know, we have four years of a lunatic in the White House. Then you got Elon Musk. You know, uh, he made a comment about black people, and they called him out. He said, I didn't say that. But you did say These are your words. They came right, right from X. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, um, then he made that. You know, it, it, I, which brings up another point. Mm-hmm. When he's bad-mouthing black folks, nobody hears a peep. But as soon as Elon Musk badmouthed Jewish people, the whole wide world coming after him. Now, what was it with that, Tina? Mm, well, <laughs> I tell you what, let's noodle on that one, okay? 
Okay, I, we'll, let's we'll noodle on that one. I don't know. He, uh, but you know, I, I hope that his uh, his presence on the the world stage and on on the news and thing. I hope that that lessens a lot because I'm trying to figure out what it is that he's, uh, you know, why he's relevant now. Um, you know, again, he makes he's made a lot of money, the world's richest man. But I, his uh, his relevance and his uh, uh, claim to fame, if you will, or they're they're slipping tremendously, and so well, what yeah. he says about you know ethnic groups and things of that nature, he says now is he running for office, or some kind of political office? I don't know. Well, he can't run for president because he's not. He's a, not American. Not yeah, yeah, not born. Uh, yeah. But uh, but I I don't know I but again I you know when I when I when I see people like that and everything the entire package that they represent. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. And he's just a bad actor uh, on the world stage. He's, he's just not yeah, a good guy. Uh, yeah, he, he's, he's definitely not a likable person. No, 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 no. I mean, he definitely, you know, he's not a good... You can just see he's just one of these... Socially awkward, mm-hmm. you know. He's, he's definitely a narcissist, but mm-hmm. it's like, you know, you know, you're some kind of businessman, and you think you're cool, but you're not cool, Elon. You, you're not. Yeah, true. I mean, there's nothing cool about you. You know, there I mean, you, go. you got no personality. You. You know, you behave like a three-year-old, and you know. Well, like I said, I don't buy. I don't. I have no intention of buying his cars, and I, I just don't zero. like to hear. No. Yeah, I, I don't like to hear from him. So, uh, but we'll uh, we'll keep an eye on that one too, Jeff. No doubt. Uh, all right, all right. Thank you very much. And we'll be back. City County Council Majority Leader Maggie Lewis is up next about the final council meeting of the year. They wanted street justice. I can see. It's an all-new episode of Payback. Revenge starts with love, but often leads to hate and death. I can see clearly. You took his life. You should spend the rest of yours behind bars. No one wins. Two lives are forever changed. Payback. All new. Monday night at 10. I can see it all. On TV One. Make holiday shopping a breeze with the One VIP Visa debit card. Get cashback rewards on all purchases and shop our Black-owned business partners to get double rewards and unique gift ideas. Hassle-free and easy, just like it should be. Go to OneVIP.com and get your card today. The One VIP Visa prepaid card is issued by Stride Bank N.A. Member FDIC pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc. Use of the One VIP card is subject to terms and conditions. 
she was just a child and abused by parents who were supposed to love her. So she was placed in the child welfare system and had no plans, dreams, or hopes for her future. Child advocates' attorneys represented her voice in court and empowered her to believe in herself. Today, she's heading to college, a goal she never dreamed she'd reach. Child advocates is also interrupting racism for children and fights for justice, equity, and well-being for vulnerable Indiana children. This giving season, give your heart to a child in need. Donate at childadvocates.net. Tickets now on sale at the Clues Hall box office and DJGino.net for the All-Stars of R&B Love Fest. Starring Jeffrey Osborne, Patrice Rush, and Phil Perry. Tickets start at $69. Let's get back to the conversation. It's Community Connection with Tina Cosby on Praise AM 1310, 95.1 FM, Indy's Inspiration Station. And we're back with communication and uh, with community connection, communication too, I guess. That's what we do is communicate. Hey, uh, didn't mean to offend anybody that's a Tesla owner either. I'm just saying it's not, not going to be my choice. Um, so I uh, wanted to make sure I straighten that out. But uh, such as it is. Anyway, um, last night, uh, the final City County Council meeting of 2023, the final one of the year was held. Um, and, uh, you know, quite a quite a bit good good bit of business was done uh and uh you know uh, everything is is getting ready to, to 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 point toward 2024 uh here with us now to sort out a couple of things and uh, to let us know what went on uh city county council majority leader maggie lewis uh councilor lewis uh how are you uh last night must have been uh you know kind of bittersweet i guess because uh, this is the last time the old gang was together uh yes. new one will be together next year that's right. That's right. Last council meeting of the year. It was somewhat long, um, <laughs> but had a lot of business to, to attend to for that last meeting. Um, it was absolutely bittersweet. We said goodbye to some of my colleagues, mm-hmm. some who have served our community for several, several years. And so we started that meeting by celebrating those outgoing um Councilors, Vice President Zach Adamson, uh, Councilor Ethan Evans, Councilor Potts, Councilor Larrison, uh, Chairman Monroe Gray, who served our city for 32 years, mm. Councilor Duke Oliver, who served the council for 12 years. And so, again, bittersweet. Um, but again, we did start the meeting by by celebrating those individuals. Absolutely. So um, the. Uh the, the 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 work that was done, uh, passage of proposals. Um, I understand uh, artificial intelligence. Uh, you know, it is going to be reviewed. Is it, how how's that going to how's that going to work out? What's yeah. what's that going to entail? Yeah. So proposal uh, three sixty two was introduced by Councilor Michael Hart, and basically it's going to review the city and county's current artificial intelligence. Uh, technologies, how we're gathering information. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to establish a commission just to study that work. Uh, that commission will be made up of community leaders, um, experts in the industry, again, just taking a look at our AI systems um, within the city and the county. Uh, well, our reliance on AI within the city and the county, how how would you describe it? At what percentage uh, of our... Um I guess business is conducted regard with with AI. I mean, it's hard to not use AI. But what, what do you think? How extensive is our uses of AI? It's very extensive. And so, again, this commission um, that's going to be made up of nine members. Um, they're going to just take some time into diving into the work, gather um, um, information over the next six months, mm-hmm. and really study how we are benefiting, which areas we can improve upon. 
Um, but again, just taking the opportunity to step back and do that deep mm-hmm. dive into um, the AI space. And, and very quickly, for those who may not necessarily know what we're talking about, uh, a couple of examples of uh, AI usage within the city and county of Indianapolis. Uh, so this, uh, our, all of our agencies, all the data that we are, mm-hmm. are using, the services that we use, the departments have data that they're uh, utilizing and sharing throughout the community, throughout um, our enterprise. And so just taking a look at that, that data, everyday data that we use mm-hmm. to make decisions um, in their city and our county. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, I understand um, uh, purchase, uh, you know, establishing uh, interest in the purchase of some some land by the Department of Public Works around Kentucky Avenue. What would that, why would that land be purchased and what's it going to be used for? So are you, are you talking about the professional sports development area? Uh, I think so, yeah, 371, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, three, proposal 315. If you're not... Oh, it if, says, if, if, if it we're says talking, 371. Interesting. Oh, 317, oh, the Midtown. You're talking about the Midtown. Yeah, 317. Uh, yeah. Uh, is that the one? That, yeah, that's the one I'm curious about, yeah. The, so uh, a couple of pro- proposals around <laughs> development, sorry. So proposal okay. 331... Uh, specifically was around the Broad Ripple Park Family Center. And so lots of uh, conversations around the purchase of that uh, Broad Ripple Park uh, Family Development Area. Uh, it, it was a TIF. Uh, lots of conversations with the neighborhood folks, the administration, the city county counselors, and we did pass that proposal. Again, the city will purchase the Broad Ripple Park Family uh, Center via a TIF. Um, but again, that did pass last night. Lots of conversation, uh, lots of uh, uh, conversation around how those tip dollars are supposed to be spent. Um, but again, at the end of the day, the the neighborhood, the administration, and the council came to some agreement and passed proposal three thirty one. Tips uh, for the uh, tax increment financing. Mm-hmm. Okay. That north, yep, for the north midtown allocation mm-hmm. area, that that tip area. Yeah, tip area. Um, the Parking and traffic control changes throughout the city. Uh, is that significant or is that pretty much business as usual, just, uh, you know, general upkeep, I guess? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's just business uh, as normal for the mm-hmm. city of Indianapolis, for the county. Uh, we, DPW, is involved in, in watching uh, traffic studies, what have you. Do we need to put a stop sign in someone's neighborhood? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, lights, you know, what have you. So that's just business as as mm-hmm. normal, and that tends to happen at the end of every city county council meeting. Mm-hmm. Indeed. So uh, you know, when we were talking about the uh, the, the soccer and uh, the indoor, the mm-hmm. outdoor soccer, these what's the what's the latest on that? So that proposal that's three fifteen, and so that actually creates the professional sports development area. That proposal did pass last night, and the project will include um, the multi-purpose stadium, uh, some apartments, uh, some retail space, office space, restaurant, and hotel. The controversy was around uh, uh, green lawn uh, barrel site, exactly, yeah. exactly. And so, uh, right now, we know that Keystone Group is in compliance with the city and the state regarding the regulations around burial sites. They hired a full-time archaeologists uh, to work alongside them for this project. And so, again, that's where the sticking point uh, was with with this project specifically. But again, Keystone Group has hired a full-time archaeologist. Um, In fact, it's the the firm that works closely with the city ongoing. 
So right now, I feel really comfortable about this project moving forward. So the, is, is there a compromise with the hiring of this expert? I think that that's great. But, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of the ability to know all of the possible remains that are there, um, as opposed to some or none, I mean, uh, does it look like there's going to be some kind of a, uh, a compromise where we may be able to preserve a certain amount, but uh, probably not going to be able to understand or be able to, to get to all of it that may have yeah. been there? I, I think there's an opportunity for the groups to continue the conversation to work alongside uh, the city of Indianapolis and those groups that have raised the concern. Um, I know that there's the last conversation was about us preserving some of the space and maybe putting a memorial, a marker uh-huh. still on that on that yeah. property. But again, there's this willingness of all the stakeholders coming together to make sure that uh, we are marking the spaces and preserving mm-hmm. uh uh, a, a portion of that that property, and, and for those uh, not aware of what we're talking about, uh, the Green Lawn um, Cemetery uh, mm-hmm. was believed to be one of the first African American uh, cemeteries in the city of Indianapolis, including uh, and and has uh, apparently the remains of a number of uh, war uh, soldiers, uh, Civil War soldiers, mm-hmm. and, and others that um, that historians and uh, preservationists uh, wanted mm-hmm. to maintain. Uh, and um, a large portion of this um, this soccer stadium uh, probably was going to cover uh, a large portion of where we believe a lot of those remains uh, remain, if we will. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's important, again, to note the archaeologists who's being hired. This, all the stakeholders are having the conversations about, again, how to mark uh, the, the sacred spaces on that 25 mm-hmm. acres. Um, but also understand that if a remain is found, like they have to stop immediately oh. and 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 uh, get the remains, take the remains so that they can be identified, hopefully be identified, uh, family notified. And so there's a process in place. Shall Keystone mm-hmm. come across any remains? Mm-hmm. So they just can't to remain and keep moving that's that's not how it works it's not it's not going to work like that and did, did we ever so i think that's important that is that's important important that if they do come across remains they have to stop right away mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and then those remains have to be handed over or or yes. be placed in the custody of historians or whoever mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, and, and we have no idea how many uh, uh people may have been uh buried there on that site right we do not. I, I, it's my understanding that there's there's some guesstimates, if you will, some um, estimates of how many remains could potentially be at that space, but we really don't know. And when we go back and look at old data, uh, uh, surveyor markers, what have you, right, that we can go back and look at that type of information. Again, we do not have the exact number, but as they're doing that construction, um, if they come across and remain, they have to stop working immediately. Uh, the, the the status of the construction there, uh, were you given a status report? I, I saw some pictures, uh, and I've seen some news reports. Uh, where where would you say construction is right about now? At the, at the very beginning, um, <laughs> they're still negotiating deals. And so what the council did was just establish the, the PSDA, um, uh, the, the establishing the, the professional sports development area, um, and so we're still 
Uh, There's something going up down there, something going up around that area. Okay, I see yeah. what you're saying. Yeah, where the, the, the cemetery is. So um, so what now? Um, what, uh, how do you, I mean, what's, what's, what's taking place and uh, what's the first meeting? Uh, 2024. Uh, you know, what are you what are you looking forward to for uh, next so, year? Yeah. So January 8th, 2024, is the first uh, full <laughs> council meeting with with uh, several new uh, city county councilors. Uh, we'll we'll continue obviously to pay attention to this uh, PSDA. Right. Um, we also have the downtown district that was created last night, and so we'll pay close attention to to that new established district as well and, and watch how uh, the committee is being established and the projects that they'll be able to fund through that um, economic development district. What is that? The downtown district, you say? What? Tell, tell us a little bit more about that. Okay. Yeah, so proposal 332, the Mile Square Economic Enhancement District, ah, okay, okay. the EED. Uh-huh. Lots of, uh, lots of uh, publicity around that, that project. So uh, downtown Indy will be the administrator of these funds. Uh, retail and and homeowners will pay a a flat fee, um, and those fees those dollars collected will be used for security, cleaning um, the streets, um, outreach for individuals that are experiencing homelessness, landscaping, um, just really uh, beautifying and taking care of that uh, one mile area downtown. Mm-hmm. And what about the uh, the uh, the um what is it? I forget what the, it's called, but it, the park area, the the circle, you know, kind of cut in half by a little park-like area. What about mm-hmm. is that going to stay? No. Yeah, so we are we are working with um, individuals who work with our homeless neighbors to make sure that there's a outreach space for our uh, homeless neighbors. Make sure there's still places where they're able to get food and the supplies that they need. So really working close. Um, um, with those not-for-profits that, that serve our homeless neighbors. Um, right now, they have been moved slightly closer to uh, Willer Mission, but again, making sure that we don't disrupt them as well. Are, are, is there any status report on the homeless population that that tends to set up camp downtown and parts thereof? I mean, the, the, the tents, the tent camp, the camps. Mm-hmm. So what what do what do we know as a city and what are we, we doing? Any Anything that we can, you know, give the community an update on? Yeah. So there's currently a food distribution site at uh, 955 Kentucky Avenue. And so there's still a site there that they can go get food. Mm-hmm. Um, there's restrooms available to our homeless neighbors. Um, and so, so the city is still making sure that our homeless neighbors, those individuals that are experiencing homelessness, are getting the support that, that they need. So, again, there's that, the food distribution is continuing to happen. Uh, NBA All-Star Game coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what's 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 the council going to be doing? Anything? Uh, any council involvement with that? Uh, right now, not a whole lot on on our end. Obviously, we'll come alongside uh, the Pacers Foundation, um, uh, visit Indy, uh, CIB to ensure that we're promoting the city and and hopefully opportunities for individuals from the city to actually participate mm-hmm. um, in some events surrounding the All Star Game. Yeah, yeah. Um, the um, 
you know, we're going to be talking in just a few minutes right after you. Actually, we're going to be talking city folks a lot, <laughs> city of Indianapolis. Uh, but the the announcement this morning, uh, announcing applications now open for the uh, Indianapolis Neighborhood Infrastructure Partnership Program, you know, where neighborhoods and, and, and folks can, can apply for these matching grants. Um, uh, and it, it gets back to infrastructure and uh the uh the the pothole season and the streets mm -hmm. and things of that nature i you know ongoing because i i, I have to tell you you and i talked about this before i i this i literally this morning uh had an eight o'clock appointment to get new tires uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> on the car and mm -hmm. i you know what i took out extra insurance on the time you know they usually say well don't you know don't go beyond the factory warranty because usually the factory warranty is pretty sufficient but i took out an additional ten dollars per tire mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. because of i i know that you know there's there's a strong possibility and this kind of covered that so what mm -hmm. can you what can you share with our listeners uh about the fact that we're we're heading into another season yes there's money over 5 years and all kinds of things are coming up so is there any reassurances that you can give folks that you know it it may not be as bad or or whatever whatever you can yeah. share whatever the news is i mean you know yeah. good bad and different what what's mm -hmm. the news mm -hmm. yeah. one i'm going to i'm going to i say this i know we had this conversation a lot um mm -hmm. i will encourage folks to continue to report all potholes right mm -hmm. you, you need to know where they're located so again if you can report them please do so mm -hmm. but the good news is um as of yesterday we just received this information while potholes continue to be an issue, uh, as of yesterday, we had 16,000 pothole requests. However, that is 26,000 fewer requests than what we had at this point last year. So DPW is doing the work. There has been improvement in our city. While 16,000 requests is still a lot, we are making significant process um, progress in this in this area. So again, continue to report. We continue to uh, be creative with the funding to do the resurfacing and, and the, the the filling up the potholes and what have you. But again, the the good news, the silver lining is there has been a significant decrease in in those requests and, and potholes in our city. Well, I'm going to feel like it, but it, but it's happening. <laughs> yeah, I may not it's feel happening. Well, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to take that and, uh, my, my extra $10 <laughs> per tire, yeah. uh, to make sure. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, I, I've never seen an issue so emotional as that, and and I and I understand it. I get it. I, I get it. Oh, especially I, with I get mind. it too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I've had my share <laughs> of flat tires and uh, busted rims as well. So it's it's I I get the frustration and I understand mm -hmm. the community concern, um, but also I, I do want to acknowledge the hard work of uh, the city of Indianapolis and our DPW workers who go out there and do the resurfacing and understanding, again, the, we talked about this a lot as well, the formula that we have to take care of our roads and our sidewalks just does not match the volume of traffic that we receive in our, or we get in our great city. Yeah. I, we, we need to figure out a way to... Um get the ear a little better of these uh these lawmakers down the street from uh the city county building because they 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 simply turn a deaf ear to it i mean they're tone deaf uh to that and yet and still when criticism when the opportunity to criticize the city comes up then you know boom there they are uh but um 
I, I don't know how many years I've been here, a lot of years, and I, I know that the, the topic is just is so taboo, uh, the topic of a uh, commuter tax, if you will. I mean, you can call it a lot of different things, but, mm-hmm. you know, it amounts to uh, the, a commuter tax. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. it's just like it's a wordy dirt, you know, dirty word, wordy dirt, all dirt, of it. Yeah, yeah, all of that, all of that. Yeah. But, again, we, we have to rethink this formula, and we have to get um, our friends at the other end of market to, mm-hmm. to hear us and, and come alongside us and figure out what the solution is. Yeah. Um, but it is, it's very, it's a very taboo conver- conversation. Uh, anything? Then, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. No, and I was going to say, and then keep in mind for members of the city county council, we get our authority from our state legislators. So it is a very delicate dance that we do with our state legislators. All of our authority comes from the state of Indiana. Yeah. Well, the state better be nice to us in 2024 is all we can that, say. <laughs> they better that's, be nice. that's what we're hoping for, but it's, it's easier to say they better than... Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. They can slap our hands in, in, in ways that you probably wouldn't even imagine. Oh, <laughs> but but it is important for our listeners to understand how it all works. And, you know, certain things are a function of city, uh, and certain things the city is, is constrained by because it's a function of the state. And so, um, you know, where do we, where do we place our concerns and where do we place our our voices most uh well you do both mm-hmm. but just know where to put you know where to put what where i guess i guess exactly, not, so exactly. Where, to, where to apply the pressure where to apply the pressure absolutely mm-hmm. uh anything else i forgot about before we have to let you go I think that covers it again I encourage folks to to pay attention while there be a slight break um the next meeting is january 8 2024 and we encourage folks to follow along yeah, well, indeed. Well, uh, nice work again, as always, this year. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing and enlightening our listeners. Uh, thank you for taking the calls. Thank you for talking uh, talking with our, our folks and talking with the community. Uh, 2024, let, let's let's hope for a great one uh, because, we got, you know, we got a brand new council, a brand new, brand new set of situations that yeah. I'm sure that will be worked through brilliantly. So, uh, you know, good luck there, and uh, best so wishes much. for a happy holiday season. Take a, take a rest. Get you some. <laughs> get you some I'm going to try. Out. I'm going to try. Thank you so much for allowing me to share the stories of the city county council. Truly appreciate it. We appreciate you, and thank you again. Happy holidays to you. Happy holidays. Bye bye. Bye bye. And we'll be back with more connection right after this. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Indy, celebrate the holiday season with the ninth annual Citywide Christmas Musical, Sunday, December 10th at 6 p.m. at Mount Carmel Church, 9610 East 42nd Street. Enjoy a night filled with incredible gospel music featuring Lamar Campbell and the Citywide Christmas Mass Choir. No 
Andre Speed and Company, and Brain Plus, national recording artist Ernest Pugh. Oh, come let us family out to see some of Indy's finest choir masters, musicians, singers, and soloists come together in unity to celebrate the one who brought joy to the world. Proceeds will benefit the E3 Project and Brave Arts Incorporated. Don't miss the ninth annual Citywide Christmas Musical with Praise AM 1310 95.1 FM, Indy's Inspiration Station. She was just a child and abused by parents who were supposed to love her, so she was placed in the child welfare system and had no plans, dreams, or hopes for her future. Child advocates' attorneys represented her voice in court and empowered her to believe in herself. Today, she's heading to college, a goal she never dreamed she'd reach. Child advocates is also interrupting racism for children and fights for justice, equity, and well-being for vulnerable Indiana children. This giving season, give your heart to a child in need. Donate at childadvocates.net. This is Jackie Page, host of the Black Health 365 podcast. A podcast where we address the healthcare disparities within the black community with trusted voices and information to empower a healthy lifestyle. The Black Health 365 Podcast. The Urban One Podcast Network. Listen and follow wherever you get your podcasts and urbanonepodcast.com. Last time on Get Up Mornings with Erica Kaplan. My special guest co-host for the day, J.J. Harrison. So Joy is Here is our first Christmas record, Erica. I am so excited about it. We recorded it at the church. I would be mad if somebody said they were going to have a birthday party for me, but they came and talked about the presents more than they talked about me. Ooh. They talk about Come the on. cake and everything that happens at the party, but yes. don't really talk about me. If it's my celebration, wow. then celebrate me. And so I said, you know, if we're going to record a Christmas record, we're going to celebrate Jesus. We're not going to celebrate the season. We're going to celebrate him. Listen. Get up. And don't miss a minute of Get Up Mornings with Erica Campbell. Get up. Get up. On Praise AM 1310 and 95.1 FM, Indy's Inspiration Station. WTOC AM, W236CR, Indianapolis. Keeping you informed with what's happening in and around Indy. It's Community Connection. Brought to you by Child Advocates. Your voice, their future. On Praise AM 1310, 95.1 FM. And we are back with Community Connection. Uh, we're going to stay with the city of Indianapolis, uh, this segment. Um, this morning, as I was just ta- talking to Council Majority Leader Lewis about, um, Mayor Hawksett and uh, NDDPW announced that applications are now open uh, for the 2024 Indianapolis Neighborhood Infrastructure Partnership Program. A lot of words there, but I think you'll figure it out in just a few seconds. Anyway, neighborhood infrastructure is a high-interest topic uh, here on the show. So what is it and how does it work for those maybe not familiar with it? Uh, here with us now is Daniel Stevenson. He is the administrator of strategy and tech with the DPW, Department of Public Works. Uh, Mr. Stevenson, uh, thanks for coming on and welcome to Community Connection. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Tina. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, thank you. So uh, explain that. I, I understand that these uh, the, the program has been around for about five, ten, five, seven years, about seven years or so, uh, six or seven years. But can you explain it so that folks understand what we're talking about before we start talking about it? Yeah, no, <clears throat> absolutely. This 
program has been around since 2018. Okay, okay. Um, And what it is essentially is a 50-50 cost share award program um, where neighborhoods and um, businesses around the city can partner with uh, the city of Indianapolis to kind of bump projects that they see in their neighborhoods kind of up up the list um, in queue for um, our construction seasons here at uh, DPW. And uh, so, yeah, it's, a, it's like I said, it's a 50-50 cost share program. Um, and so uh, 50-50. So if a neighborhood association or neighborhood organization, say, for instance, wants to move up on the list to getting potholes uh, filled um, on a street or getting a sidewalk, um, that's uh, an eyesore and a danger, but it might be on the list. But if they want to move it up the list, they come up with part of the money, and then the city gives them the other half, and it gets done. Is that is that too simplified? No, that's that's pretty much exactly how it works. So, how, uh, wow. So who does the work? The DPW does the work. Yeah. So the way that the INIP program works is neighborhoods can fill out an application. The mm-hmm. application kind of walks you through um, general cost estimates for how much, you know, maybe you want to resurface your street because there are a lot of potholes or you want to install a new sidewalk. The application walks you through a cost estimate for how much that would cost um, mm-hmm. for the overall project. And then the neighborhood would be responsible of coming up with 50% of that cost. Once the um neighborhood is selected as an awardee of the program. NDDPW actually then assigns that project to one of the design vendors that we work with. Ah, okay. Yeah, and we help them come up with like the scope of the project and then we develop those design plans and then NDDPW uh, takes that through our normal bid process and from there it gets constructed. So uh, a couple of examples of some uh, success stories or some some of the projects that have, have gone to completion uh, since 2018 that we might be familiar with? Um, so one of the biggest ones that's going on right now is actually where we did the announcement um, this morning, and that is over on the I, near the IU Health campus, um, say near mm-hmm. Capitol and 25th Street, and that is a new multimodal connector trail uh, that's going to increase pedestrian um, safety um, for those who walk and bike and don't necessarily mm-hmm. travel around the city by a car. Um, we are at substantial completion with that by the end of this year. Uh, so you'll have new ways to um, travel around the city as a pedestrian in a safer manner with that. That's one of the biggest ones. Um, some other examples um, would be a multi-use trail and a new pedestrian bridge um, over in Decatur Township on South High School Road. Um, those are a couple examples that specifically come to mind. So where does the, where does the city get the money to match the neighborhood associations or the neighborhood grants? Where, where does the city get the money to grant this? Yeah, so that comes out of our DPW budget. Mm-hmm. Um, and so essentially what this program is doing is it helps us stretch our limited budget much further than it would normally be able to make it. Um, Since 2018, um, we have matched $6.7 million in funding from 
with neighborhoods around the city. That equates to $13 million worth of construction projects that have completed because of that strong public-private partnership. And those are things that wouldn't have necessarily been able to happen on our budget alone. Yeah, I see. So, yeah, stronger. So what you, you, when you say applications are, are open and I guess the application what uh, window open today, is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. So the application is um, available on our website, indy.gov. Mm-hmm. Um, if you search community-powered infrastructure, um, which we can talk a little bit more about also, you'll definitely find the landing page where that application is held. Um, the application window is open until February 16th, and uh, then we will make announcements about who um, is going to receive an award from this year uh, in early spring of next year. So how many awards do you give out and is there a minimum and you know who tip you know who can apply and who shouldn't or I mean who who should who is encouraged to apply I guess I could say because it it seems like you you must you got to have some money behind you that that's the main thing and there's there's nothing wrong with that because it's matching funds but you do have to have some money so is that the biggest determining factor in whose application gets accepted and whose doesn't who does yeah whoever's application does not um so I would say that I would encourage pretty much anybody to apply for the program, any neighborhood. Um, I think that you'll find that we have amazing um, companies and and businesses here around the city that are willing to help with that. There's also a ton of grant funding available that neighborhoods can apply for and use to come up with their portion of the match. Ah. Yeah. And so the... Um, kind of projects specifically that the Indianapolis Neighborhood Infrastructure Partnership focuses on is more uh, permanent construction of new public infrastructure. I see. I see. So roads, sidewalks, multi-use paths, pretty much anything that is within uh, the right-of-way mm-hmm. um, is what the, this program is for. Um, but in order to bring about a little bit more equity in um, seeing these neighborhood projects come to life. Um, Mayor Hawks also announced this morning um, that we have this new overarching program that is starting called Community Powered Infrastructure, which houses not only the um, INIP program that open applications today, but it also includes tactical urbanism and art in the right-of-way um, as two separate avenues that people can um explore to try to be active with the city and see those changes that they want to make. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, again, so I'm, I'm going to simplify this again. And if it's too simplified, just let me know. But say, for instance, uh, your Mid-North uh, Neighborhood Association and you've got X amount of dollars in your coffers, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, the sidewalks in your neighborhood uh, have just been an absolute... Um, is they're an eyesore and they're a danger, right? So the sidewalks are, and you know they've been reported and and it's it's on the list, but not necessarily high on the list. And you want to get uh, higher on the list, and so you're like, well, uh, we would love to partner with DPW in the city to do this, but we don't have very much money. You know, we've only got so much. There are grants to help with that money to get the matching money. Uh, that are out there now. So say, for instance, if your neighborhood association has XYZ dollars and you need XYZZZZ dollars, there are opportunities to get the extra dollars that you need to be able to apply 
for the matching dollars to get your neighborhood beautified with better sidewalks and safer sidewalks quicker than they would have been uh, had they gone through the regular uh, rotation of whatever, you know, DPW has for that particular neighborhood. Yeah, no, that is absolutely correct. Um, and you can find resources for those various different grants. Um, we are in the process of getting those all added up on the uh -huh. community-powered infrastructure landing page. Um, but you can find uh, grants at both the federal and state level um, that you can apply for. Um, so great, if you apply for a grant and you get it, and you say, okay, hey, city of Indianapolis, this is how much we've got to put up. Can you match this? Uh, and your application is accepted. You don't really have to take anything out of your uh, necessarily your, your uh, limited neighborhood association funds, if you will. Yeah, no, absolutely. For example, like if you apply for an INRC grant, um, for example, and you got an amount from that, you could use that money as your neighborhood's portion of um, the project cost. Yeah. Uh, 317 239 317-239-1310. Uh, I would imagine that a lot of neighborhoods would be interested in, in this. Um, what? How many applications do you typically receive a year uh, or have you received a year since 2018? Yeah, um, I think it just depends from year to year. I can tell you last year alone, though, we were able to partner on 13 different projects. Um, through this funding. Um, wow. Yeah, in our 2024 budget mm -hmm. um, for community-powered infrastructure, so that's cost shares for INIP, tactical yeah. urbanism, and art in the right-of-way, okay. we have um, allocated up to $2 million in matching funds that we will provide. Um, so it really just depends on the kind of quantity of projects that come in as to how many projects we will see get done out of that, um, for INIP alone, though, um, we will award up to $500,000 for a project. Wow. What's So from what to what? What's the, you know, the, the, the range of awards that you, you do? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it just um, depends. So for it depends. example, okay. I can tell you that, like, for resurfacing, the cost is on average $63.00 per foot per lane that you're looking at. Do. Okay. Um, or a new sidewalk, that's approximately $139 per linear foot. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, they, they just can really range. Uh, I think that you, we've seen some projects as low as, you know, maybe $50,000 for total construction cost. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we've had projects up to, you know, you could say a million dollars based on the, you know, $500,000 um, top end match. Wow. You know what? I, I, I kind of wish he was here today. It's just the timeliness that the, the application window opened today. But um, our contributing analyst, James Patterson, who's very much involved in, in neighborhoods in his neighborhood and others, uh, other neighborhoods that he, he helps out with. Um, I, I'm curious as to whether or not James may have known about this uh, and others may have known about it because it just sounds like a win-win situation. And again, not every application is going to be accepted, but um, how how long is the window going to be open uh, for applications uh, this yeah, year? Yeah, so the application window um, runs until February 16th of 2024. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And, yeah. And then when, when will news, when will you know if you will be receiving the matching grant? 
um, later on in the spring of 2024. Okay. And how so I would say normally like around May. Mm-hmm. And then after all of that is completed, uh, what's the timeline for construction to begin? How long does construction usually begin after all of that? Uh, I th- again, I think that depends on the project. So sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, we might be able to get in on a sidewalk that's not going to require as much design, um, much quicker than, you know, a potential complete you know, repavement of a stretch of roadway. Um, So I would say on average, um, what you see is that you find out that you've been awarded in spring of 2024 through the remainder of 2024. We will do that design process with our design vendors. And then usually they bid very early on in the next calendar year. So people who get awarded uh, in the 2024 application window, we'll see construction happen on their projects by no later than uh, spring of 2025, probably. Now, would street lighting be considered infrastructure? So <clears throat> that is um, a great question. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, no. Um, but I, I hear I hear on the show, I just have to tell you, Dan, let me give you a little background. I hear on the show all of the time, uh, we need better lighting in the city. You know, when we talk about infrastructure, we need better lighting uh, so that we can see potholes when we're about to hit them. Uh, we need better lighting so we can see in general. Uh, but potholes... Bad potholes, lighting, and then uh, sidewalks come in, in in third. But I would say potholes number one, lighting number two, and then you know perhaps sidewalks uh, number three. But um, I just didn't know where the lighting uh, issue falls in terms of the definition uh, regarding infrastructure. I I, I don't know. So I I'll, yeah, I'll let you go ahead and and elaborate a little so, there. So what we're looking at um, is is typically the built infrastructure Uh um, environment. So we're looking more at, you know, streets, sidewalks, those kinds of things. Uh Um, There are a list of uh, potential projects that people might be interested in doing that are ineligible for this funding. Okay. Um, Streetlights is one of those, um, and that is because Typically, streetlights are um, owned and operated by uh, AES. Ah. Yeah, so um, that's not something that the city normally um, owns. So um, Mm. that is why that would be ineligible for a project like this. Okay. Yeah. So it's not something that the city owns, but it is something that uh, the mayor has commented over the years about wanting to improve upon. Yeah, um, I'm sure you're familiar with Operation Nightlight, which was a major program um, that the mayor implemented to bring about uh, more streetlights around the city. Okay. Um, So, you know, we've had great success with that. And um, what I would say for callers that might be listening in is – that, you know, if you see an area in your neighborhood that is uh, maybe lacking um, lighting, uh, you can always reach out to um, us here at the Department of Public Works, mm-hmm. or you can reach out to AES Indiana directly, and that is something that we can always evaluate with them mm-hmm. on trying to get that infrastructure put in place for you. Okay, we have a couple of caller questions for you. Uh, the first... Um 
Pastor Pastor Thorne, go ahead. How are you? Hey, Tina, how you doing? I'm doing well, uh, sir. How are you? I'm going to chime in. Please do. Why would <laughs> Why would they want the community to do the heavy lifting, if you will, in this idea, this concept in which he's presenting? Uh, it should be the city that should have a great emphasis in doing this and not where people have to try and go out and get this funding or grant monies. This is the city's duty. I mean, that's why you have city mm-hmm. council persons representing those certain areas uh, in order to do this. I, I, I think it's a bit much for um, the various uh, community groups to go out here, try to get that grant money to match. This, this is the city's responsibility. And so maybe I just need to put that question to the uh, DPW person who's on there. To me, it's a bit egregious that they would think communities need to do this. This is what you do. That's what your duties are. That's what our city council's duties are for our communities is to is to make sure that you have proper lighting, sidewalks, and streets and stuff. Mm-hmm. It, it seems to me it's just uh, uh, just pushing the kicking the can down the road and putting it on someone else or dereliction of duty of what your your duties are. I mean, okay, uh, but uh, Pastor Thornton, yeah, and it's an interesting question, uh, but he uh, and and Mr. Stevenson, I'll let you go ahead and answer. Uh, it's a matter of stretching funding that was explained uh, just a bit. Uh, yeah. Go go ahead. Hi, Pastor Thornton. Um, Thank you so much for your question today. Um, This is really just a small portion of the overall city budget that's dedicated um, to help community groups make changes that they would like to see in their neighborhoods. Um, HOAs, nonprofits are always going to have projects they want to see happen. This helps them double their funding, essentially. Um, So we do have a larger capital program um, to, to get these infrastructure needs met. Um, But what that can mean is that, you know, through data analysis on, you know, conditions of pavement around the city, et cetera, that, you know, we have to prioritize that list. So um, Mm -hmm. projects that you might be. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy juicy fried chicken buttery bun unmatched pickle to chicken ratio yeah they know what they're doing in fact we can honestly say they're not new to chicken they're true to chicken the mccrispy only at mcdonald's Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits long live listening to your favorites learn more about cascali ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if cascali is right for you thinking of in your neighborhood might have already been identified by us this is just kind of a way to help us through a a cost share with the neighborhood to be able to get that done faster for them instead of it maybe having to take a year or or three where we can fit it into that capital budget and lastly uh tina mm-hmm. uh, they should know already a lot of these neighborhoods have been on that list for 20 or 30 years guy walks up mm. the thing now i'm looking at trails that are newly put in walking trails mm-hmm. and guess what tina those are not in african-american communities so somehow the prioritizing of value and culture 
it seemed to be swayed towards a certain community, and I'll say that. And and our our neighborhoods are are you know they've got the street purple line coming through where I am. The church is, however, the sidewalks and all that stuff wouldn't have been done. There was a woman that was quite demonstrative about three years ago about the water between Arlington and Emerson, mm-hmm. and and she, and she was a Caucasian woman, and and things changed. But what I'm saying is, and I think, once again, I'm going to go back to what I said, and I stand with it, is that it's, that's too much heavy lifting for a community when this should be the jobs of those of them that's making six figures or whatever down on those jobs. They should be doing this. City council people ought to be doing this. And it shouldn't be left up to communities uh, to try and go out and mm-hmm. garner and try to find that money, usually in grant. But, I mean, how many people have grant writers? You need grant writers. If you really want to be serious, partner with those neighborhoods and get a grant writer and let them come in and assist you in getting those funds that are necessary for those projects. So I wanted to state that, and I hope someone else would chime in on this because mm-hmm. I think that's a bit, you know, it sounds good, but I think I think you, you, you're trying to put too much on the communities, and, and oftentimes we find ourselves fighting over a few grant dollars and and, you know, it just don't end up right. That's okay. your job. All right. Thank you, Pastor Thornton. Appreciate it. Uh, James Patterson, uh, your ears must have been burning. <laughs> Gina, How I are you? My work was minding my own business. Minding your own business, huh? <laughs> yeah, but uh, this is a great topic. And um, I, first of all, want to say I agree with Pastor Thornton. This is an issue we've been talking about mm-hmm. for a little bit. I don't want to... Uh, lambast the city or the guests that you have. Mm-hmm. However, our problem is, as you said so many times, Tina, is is with the state house. And then what do you do about that? The city has an obligation to, um, you know, to, to, to repave the streets and to, to put side, uh, uh, sidewalks in correctly and uh-huh. those that are broken, um, and also the lighting that you brought up. And we have been fighting this battle for a long time, and I know you had uh, Majority Leader. Mm-hmm. Lewis, um, Maggie Lewis. Yeah. Maggie Lewis on just a few minutes ago, Tina, and mm-hmm. she mentioned that, you know, it's the state house, it's the state house, it's the state house. They are shortchanging us, mm-hmm. and that's the problem. But... Even within the budget that we have and the money that we got from the federal government uh, from the the pandemic, this extra money that we have, there's Mm -hmm. still priorities there. And to Pastor Thornton's, uh, uh, you know, very strong and and I think righteous view, if you look around at where the the streets are being repaved, I mean, not to take away from this guy's, uh, your guest's uh, program. That's a good program. It's going to help, but it's a drop in the bucket. Um, and what streets are being prioritized, those streets are being prioritized by the mm-hmm. bureaucrats. And that's what the people are really, Pastor Thornton, you know, and others. <laughs> My neighbor just talked to me about that, are upset mm-hmm. about their tax dollars are going to the city. And then who gets the, the largesse? Who gets the, their mm-hmm. tax dollars invested? And, and Tina, if you look around places mm-hmm. like Butler University, they just passed this uh, downtown uh, where they're going to, you know, uh, which is a good 
I think, idea. They're going to, but not for people who are going to be extra taxed, but it's going to, um, you know, help them with the trash and help them with the streets cleaning and help them with security downtown. But that needs to be done not just downtown, not just around the universities, not just around, um, you know, University of Indianapolis, Butler, um, IUPUI. It needs to be done everywhere because my neighbor just told me, hey, I'm paying taxes, but I do not see. I see trash on the streets. I see potholes on the street, which you talked about <laughs> buying, you know, extra insurance because you know what's coming up. Well, yeah, I, I do. Mm-hmm, your <laughs> guess, the bureaucrats decide, and that's what the people are upset about. They want to make sure that it's more equitable. And I think that's what he, he said, that this program is making a stab at. But like Reverend Thornton said, Pastor Thornton, mm-hmm. hey. That's only going so far, and, and like you mentioned, too, you got to come up with some, some, some ducats to get that money. Yeah. He mentioned grants. Um, we ought to be all in for grants, you know, wh- mm-hmm. however we can get it. But the main target is that state house. The Republicans do not care about us, yeah. period. They care about their rural areas. Yeah. Um, Mr. Stevenson, uh, clearly uh, infrastructure, like I was saying, on, on the show and just infrastructure discussions are always uh, very involved when very emotional ones. Um, I would say at the very least, um, the you know, the point that uh, Reverend Thornton and James are making is that we could use a whole lot more programs like uh, the one that you're over, uh, not to mention help from the state house and some others. James, wouldn't you? Yeah, you say, I mean, yeah, I mean, and I'll, I'll let Mr. Stevenson weigh well, in on that. Yeah. 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 yeah no, I guess I, what I would say, Tina, is, you know, we certainly understand um, this this point of view. Uh-huh. What I would say is that this helps the overall greater good for projects the groups are maybe already working on. Um, and I would, would reiterate that we take on projects of all sizes for INIP. Um, some are just, you know, a few thousand dollars put up by the community group. Um, the other thing that I would say is that that is why we are introducing um, community-powered infrastructure um, overall is that we really want to find a way to um, bring these changes in a more equitable manner um, to all of the neighborhoods across the city. Yeah. Mm-hmm. James? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that that's wonderful. Um, but if but I were Mayor Hoffman, yeah. and I believe somebody yeah. in this office is probably listening to this program, you need to to get a tent and camp over that state house and demand, as uh, uh, Majority Leader Lewis was saying, uh, that you know, to put pressure on them, put a tent up there, Mayor Hogsett, and demand that equitable funding in the um, state mm-hmm. road funding formula yeah. because we've been getting shortchanged for years, for yeah. decades, and they're like, okay, we're in the supermajority, we don't care. We don't care what you say. And so somebody needs to fight that more equitably. And also, um, you know, there needs to be a little bit more review on what these bureaucrats say. Because I turned in a list of of streets, Tina, to my trustee, uh, Mm -hmm. Trustee Johnson, out Mm -hmm. here in Pike Township. Uh And, um, you know, she said, we're going to turn these in, James. We're going to see these streets. One is... uh, Rotabal Road, which goes right past two very good schools, uh, New Augusta North Academy, New Augusta South Academy. And it is littered with potholes, covered potholes, cracks. I mean, that's a school. If that were in Carmel, that would not be tolerated, period. I mean, and I know it all goes back to we're getting cheated 
by the state house. We're getting cheated by these Republicans who do not care. People talk about the Republicans, you know, look at them, and they do not care about us. You can prove it in the way our streets and roads look, highways. Yeah, and Councillor Lewis uh, made a good point, too, about, uh, you know, sharing in the cost uh, with those who work here and live elsewhere, and the taxes follow them back to their counties, not where they work, where they live, not where they work. Um, and, and so... They use it a lot coming in here for work. A lot, a lot. So, and, and, and they, you know, we hear a lot, uh, Mr. Stevenson, about uh, the formulas that the state house uses, uh, which are equal as opposed to equitable. Uh, and there's no way uh, Posey County uh, should get the same amount of money. I mean, we should get to say it's, you know, it's just, yeah, equal doesn't, ma equal doesn't make sense in, in so many ways. So there's a lot. There's a lot that has to be. Um, and, and what I would say there, yeah. too, Tina, is, you know, Mayor Hogsett has called for changes in the state road funding formula. Uh -huh. And those are conversations that we are continually having to try to procure more funding for the city of Indianapolis and yeah. Marion County as a whole. Yeah. All righty. Well, uh, Mr. Stevenson, thank you so much uh, for coming. Oh, by the way, uh, if someone wants to apply, uh, the, the window is open until February. Uh, what do they need to do? Where do they need to go? Yeah, uh, you just need to go to indy.gov and search community-powered infrastructure. You can also email us today at reimagine, R-O-W, at indy.gov. Okay. Reimagine. R-O-W. R-O-W at Indy.gov. Daniel Stevenson, Administrator for uh, DPW here in the city. Thank you so, so very much. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, thank you for having me. All right. Thank you, James. Uh, I, I think we'll talk to you tomorrow. No, 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 no. I know this was a subject near and dear to your heart. And like I said, it was uh, the, the timing was that it happened today. The window opened today, not tomorrow. Yeah. So we yeah. wanted to get it as timely as possible. But, yeah, it's a lot of a lot of, you know, while, while there's good, there's also frustration that, you know, there couldn't be. And I get that. I get that a lot. I understand. I understand. Exactly. Absolutely. You do, Tina. And yeah, then but, uh, you're paying taxes. No. Your neighbors are paying taxes. And yeah. we, we just need to see. Um, better, and you mentioned about the commuter tax. I mean, they're just robbing us blind, mm -hmm. coming in here using our roads, you know, causing yeah. problems. Our, you know, lifestyles called in. He's like, you know, I got a nice car, but man, <laughs> but lifestyles has spent a mint <laughs> on rims, uh, and uh, yeah. just just like uh, Councillor Lewis, uh, I haven't had to buy any rims or frames. Those frames, I mean, man, they can they can total your car. Oh, absolutely, they uh, can. And uh, so he has spent a meant uh, because he's a professional driver as well. Uh, yeah. And uh, that's why I, I got my Black Friday deal on my tire. So. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> but, but thank you, Tina. But thank no, you thank you. Thank you for listening. And, and hey, we'll talk again tomorrow. All right. All righty. Thank you. And we'll be back with more Community Connection right after this. They wanted street justice. I can see. It's an all-new episode of Payback. Revenge starts with love, but often leads to hate and death. I can see clearly. You took his life. You should spend the rest of yours behind bars. No one wins. Two lives are forever changed. Payback. All new. Monday night at 10. I can see it all. On TV One.
Tickets now on sale at the Clues Hall box office and DJGino.net for the All-Stars of R&B Love Fest, starring Jeffrey Osborne, Patrice Rush, and Phil Perry. Tickets start at $69. So I had no job, no car, nobody to watch my son. A care source, true story. And when I finally got a job interview, it was a half hour away. I was just stuck, you know? Then one of my friends told me to call CareSource. I was like, uh, my health insurance company? CareSource is so much more than health insurance. We helped Becky with her resume, childcare, and transportation so she could get the job. What can we do for you? Visit CareSource.com. Medical science can't keep dirty dishes from piling up in your sink. It can't prevent arguments over which TV show to watch. And it can't stop you from being the one who looks after the guinea pig your kids said they'd take care of. But one thing it can do is help protect your whole family from getting seriously ill. Eskenazi Health Center is providing free COVID vaccines and boosters to anyone from six-month-olds to seniors, whether you have insurance or not. They're safe and effective and available today. Once you're protected, you can spend less time worrying about your family missing school, missing work, or missing good times, which means you'll have more time to worry about how to sneak a few more vegetables onto your kids' dinner plates. Visit EskenaziHealth.edu slash free vaccines to find a health center near you and learn how a shot in the arm can take a load off your mind. Let's get back to the conversation. It's Community Connection with Tina Cosby on Praise AM 1310, 95.1 FM, Indy's Inspiration Station. And we are back with Community Connection. And again, um, a very, uh, very good conversation. And again, I do want to thank um, Mr. Stevenson from DPW um, to come on and, and talk about that. Uh, and uh, we'll be talking about that a lot more in the days uh ahead in days to come. Uh, you know, one of the things that we're also often in conversations about right here on the show uh, has to do with public education. We often discuss uh, the future of the city's schools, the school systems, public, private, and everything else in between. Uh, we have with us today uh, two local organizations, the Mind Trust and Empower Ed Families, um, that are going to be hosting a parent perspectives, a community conversation um, next week for the community. It's going to be Tuesday, December 12th uh, from 6 to 7.30 at the Indianapolis Public Library's central location. Uh, here with us now to further discuss are uh, Kimberly Graham. She's the Empowered Families Director of Organizations, I'm sorry, Organizing and Partnerships, and uh, Susan Sargent, um, who is a parent. Uh, ladies, welcome to the show. Uh, glad to have you with us today. Um, hot Thank topic, hot topic, hot topic, hot topic. Uh, yeah, conversations about um, the 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 future and the you know of the of the city schools, uh, the the public, the private charters, um, and a conversation, a community conversation uh, regarding um, parent perspectives, uh, and that's going to be taking place. So, what led to the fact that that your organizations, the Mind Trust, and um, uh, uh, what is the uh, empowered uh, empower ed or empowered families wanted to get together to have this this open community discussion? Well, with empowered families, we are out in the community, so we are listening to the parents about the concerns, but also telling us about the wonderful things that are taking place um, in their schools in the city. And we want parents to know that they have a voice. 
they have a voice at their schools. You know, parents can go and advocate. We're our first advocate for our children. Mm-hmm. And so we felt that we need to put a report together to listen to parents, to hear what they had to say. Mm-hmm. So how is, it, how is this going to go uh, a week from today, next Tuesday? And again, it's going to be at the Public Library Central uh, location. How is this going to be formatted and, and how's it all going to work? So we're going to have Karen Vaughn. She's going to be our moderator. Oh, we love Karen. (laughs) Yes. She's going to be there. And then we also have four parents that are going to be on the panel. Uh So it will be a discussion. But we are also, um, as we advocate for Parent Voice, when you go and register at our website, you can submit questions that you would like answered. And then also that day, as the conversation is taking place, we'll be um, taking questions also for the panel. Yeah. So what what seems to be the parents' biggest concerns that you've come across? Um, well, first of all, tell us about your, your organization, Empowered Families. What what's, what's Empowered Families all about? So Empowered Families is a parent advocacy group with the mission to build power through relationships and equip families with the tools and resources to fight for high-quality education. Make sure the education is equitable for all children. And our goal is to build a movement of families and allies to fight for education practices. And one thing that we are really advocating for is for the schools and the parents to start working together. We have a new campaign that's coming around, Better Together, where we want the charter and the IPS and innovation schools to start working together. Put your differences aside and think about the kids. Think about the children. Yeah, and, and that's that's a pretty big deal. We talked about that on the show a lot of times, too, because it seemed like um, there was a time, there was a point in time uh, where parents and schools did work together for the education of their children, and now, excuse me, it's become almost adversarial type of relationships where, you know, parents, uh, a number of parents in schools are at odds almost all the time. Uh, and it's kind of like an us against them scenario that is that is set up entirely too many times. And as you said, uh, as you were alluding to, a lot of times the children uh, are left in the middle. The kids are left in the middle, maybe not getting uh, the advantages of, of educational advantages that they should be getting. Right. And the one thing I, I always say also is that um, good schools have great parents, great parent groups, I should say, and failing schools do not. That's why we need the parents to activate. We need the parents to be involved and have a partnership with the school. And we need the partners, the par- uh, the school to partner with the parents also. Their their children are sitting in these schools. Susan can speak on um, her relationship with the school. Okay, go ahead. And Susan, welcome. Glad to have you with us, Susan Sargent. Thank you. And how many how many children do you have in in school? I have one now. Um, he goes to Rooted School Indy, mm-hmm. and um, He's in a charter school. Um, I have two kids, actually. My oldest son is 32 years old, and he went through the IPS school system, Mm -hmm. and it it was just a very bad experience. So my younger son, they're 15 years apart. He went to Lawrence Christian School, a private school, and once that closed, we were just looking around trying to figure out where could we possibly get him to go. And I'm so thankful that we're in a day and age where charter schools are accessible, Parents have options now, and you don't just have to go to the school that's in your neighborhood. So that was a big deal for me. Okay. Um, so, um, what? So, how, how old is your your youngster now? 
He's 18. He, he's a senior at Rooted School now, so mm-hmm. he'll be getting out this year. So I love that. So what was, what educationally, what was the difference that you felt uh, you saw in, uh, in terms of the, the, the charter versus uh, traditional public? Well, there were a couple of things that were discouraging. One is the student-teacher ratio. Mm-hmm. Um, we all know our kids, and we know how they learn. If, if you take time to watch your kids, you know how they learn. So I knew that my son needed a more intimate setting. He needed a hands-on mm-hmm. setting where not only the teachers are a, a low uh, student-teacher ratio would work best for us, and I wanted to have access to him while he's at school. I wanted to be able to talk to the teacher, text the teacher. You know, in a bigger school setting, you're, you're just not able to do that. Mm-hmm. Another thing that interested me also was I needed him to be around educators who looked like him. Mm-hmm. And that was a big deal for us, you know. Yeah. He yeah. actually was with his first um, African American teacher in the in his freshman year, mm-hmm. and I thought that was a little insane. So, I mean, if we're going to build stronger communities, our our kids need to be mm-hmm. in safe environments. Mm-hmm. And a smaller school, smaller setting, I had access to him. That was uh, the biggest deal for me. And I think one thing that people are losing sight of when you say there's always that debate is that public schools, charter schools, and innovation schools, they're all the same. They're all public schools. They might have different titles, but IPS is really no bigger difference than being in a charter school. Actually, our charter school is in an IPS district. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there, there's, uh, but I, I, what you said was really, really interesting that the time has come because there is a lot of division. There's a lot of divisiveness. And, um, uh, Ms. Graham, you were saying that the time has come for, you know, charter innovation, IPS, all to come together uh, for the good of the students. Um, I, I think that that's, that's really interesting. Um, how realistic is that going to be? Because there's, uh, there's strong emotion uh, regarding all of that on all sides. So how is, is that realistic? Is that something that can be obtained? Attained, I should say, not obtained, attained. I do think it can be attained. We've been at the school board with our green and white. Those are the colors for Better Together. Uh-huh. We're speaking out to everybody. We're bringing parents, students in to say, look, Better Together, the schools will all get better if we all work together. And so we are really pushing that. Um, and you can find that on our website on Empower Families, Better Together. We're asking people to come out to really voice their opinions because the children are our future. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we take a look. In 20 years, these kids are going to be our doctors and our nurses. If you're laying on the operating table, you want the doctor to be able to read, not to be looking at their phone <laughs> at true. Google. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, would, that would be good, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so that's why it's mm. very important for the uh, yeah. charter innovation. Everybody start working together because the kids come first. Mm-hmm. It takes a village. That's what people need to understand. Nowadays, we have grandparents, great-grandparents raising kids, so they're mm-hmm. getting back into the education game. And so that is why we are really out here pushing the better together for everybody to come together, work together. But schools also need to know you need to let your parents in the building. You need to be active with your parents. That's why we have a parent voice. That's why we're doing this report. 
Yeah. And vice versa, parents need to be active with the schools. Yeah. Parents need, you know. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, hold on just a second. We have a, a caller that wants to weigh in here. Go ahead, Reverend Alexander. How are you? Hey, good afternoon, Tina, and to your guests. I think, um, and, and I'll state, first of all, my position that there should be a moratorium on charter schools mm-hmm. um, as we look at where we are in 2023. One in three charter schools has closed. And, you know, I know, you know, we can certainly cite some successes with some families when it comes to charter schools. Unfortunately, there is a multiplicity of uh, families that can speak to the fact of when their charter school closed, mm-hmm. the trauma and the effect that it had on those families in having to now uh, try to navigate their families, not in some cases, mm-hmm. not just one student, but, you know, two students and three, how to navigate them and get them back into schools. And some of the uh, division and some of the uh, debate has uh, it's happening because the system is set up for our schools to be competing with one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you look at all the marketing, it's like come to my charter school and, you know, come to my charter school. And our charter schools are competing. Uh, mm-hmm. The lady spoke about the ratio, the ratios when it comes to uh, teachers and students. Teacher-student you ratio. Know, yeah, it's those ratios, though. The, 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 I'll say this. The, the marketing and the things that are great about charter schools are the same things that's making them close because we're not getting so, the number of students. So, Reverend Alexander, not that, getting educated. Yeah, that being said, um, what this group is advocating is that everyone comes together and have a conversation about how together, working together as opposed to, pointing up the, you know, the the positives and negatives of each particular situation, that perhaps that could help. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that, that, that uh, you know, calling a community conversation uh, with everyone uh, together at the table talking, do you think that that could help? Oh, I absolutely think it can help. And I and I applaud those that are willing mm-hmm. to come uh-huh. to the table and say, we need to discuss this. But I would add to that um, the moratorium piece. And that's kind of what I started. Well, yeah. 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 I mean, that, have but a that's mor- a... Have a moratorium while we have the discussions so we don't continue to go down a path that's not conducive, you know, to the overall mm. education and learning for our students. And then let's get it right. And however that shakes out, um, mm. you know, I'm all in favor for that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, Reverend Alexander. Uh, and, uh, and and Ms. Graham uh, and, and Ms. Sargent, I'm sure you've both heard uh, conversations, uh, robust conversations about a moratorium on the charter schools so that we can kind of, you know, figure out where we are with the ones that we have. Yes, we have. We have heard um, mm-hmm. about hosting a momentorium, and so um, that's something that we would have to work together. Mm-hmm. You know, and if that's something that the community wants to do, let's work together. Yeah. yeah. The parent voice. This is why we want parents, well, grandparents, anybody, let's come together and start holding um, schools accountable. Yeah. We're also holding parents accountable, too. You well, know, one thing that we're mm-hmm. hearing is that um, we have students that are missing school. Mm-hmm. And so that's very important. But we also have to fight for high-quality schools, too. And that's why we want parents to come out 
we want parents to um, be involved in the school, but we also want the school to be involved with the parents also. Parent voice is very important. That's what Empower Families is about. The main piece is parent Parent involvement, indeed. Uh, Final call uh, before we have to take off here. Go ahead. Paula, how are you? Hey, Tina. Hey, hey. Um, This is something I'm really passionate about, being a retired teacher. Uh, The Bible says a threefold cord cannot be broken. It takes the parents, the student, and the system. And the problem today is the parents are not as involved in their kids' education as they used to be. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Number two, the teachers, most of the teachers, not all of them, it's all about the dollar, and that's normal because everybody got to pay their bills. Mm-hmm. And the students uh, are too involved in this, these phones, in this technology, playing these games. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're not really involved in education is not their number one priority uh, mm-hmm. playing. What's that called? A fort one or something? Uh, oh, Fortnite. The name of it. Fortnite. Yeah, or either uh, there's another one. And that's all they do. To get home and to get on those games. Oh, in the call, call of Duty, Fortnite, they're all playing mm-hmm. it, yeah. Duty, yeah, Call of Duty. That's call of Duty one. and Fortnite, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I saw my little, my grandkids playing them games. I did not, Kelly did not play any of those video games when I raised my daughter. She's 36. Mm-hmm. I didn't buy none of them. I bought toys. Yeah. And, and that's the problem. And and it's, it's unfortunate that it's not going to change unless the three cords gets back together. Yeah. Yeah, and Paula, thank you. That's 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 another good comment. And and it, it has to be uh mitigated, if you will, uh kind of separated quite a bit because so much of their learning is virtual, uh and, and is digital and, and so forth, because that's the world in which the, these youngsters are growing up in and living in. Uh so Can I add to that? Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I, I you know, I speak to a lot of parents at my son's school and I actually started a parent group at Rooted, and we communicate amongst each other. And we notice that the kids who are struggling the most mm-hmm. and the parents who complain the most are the ones who are not in touch with the school. Mm-hmm. So that's why it is so important that the parents group together, learn from each other, bounce information and, and, and ideas around, mm-hmm. and get involved in their kids' school. And that's one thing that I know Empowered Families is trying to do. We're trying to start parent groups mm-hmm. where, I mean, you don't, there's so much, like your kid is the most important thing in the world. Education, no matter where they're going, is the most important thing. Yeah. So, yes, we have to all work together. Like the caller said, the three entities have to come together in order for our, our kids to succeed, in order for these murder rates to come down, the 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 debt the debt ceiling to be busted open. I mean, there's so much that needs to be done, but it starts with us, the parents. It really does. Well, a lot of that conversation is going to begin December 12th, 6 to 730 p.m. Central Library downtown, 40 East St. Clair Street, Indianapolis. Radio One host and parent perspectives panel moderator Karen Vaughn will be leading the way. Uh, And it sounds like it's going to be quite a robust uh, discussion and, um, Thank you all for um, for coming on and sharing with us. Yes, go ahead. Not to interrupt you, it is free, and you can park in the garage underneath the library. Absolutely. Okay. Okay, and then um, also go and register at empoweredfamiliesindy.org. 
So you have to you, do you have to register to attend? No, we want people to register um, for the food count, but if not, just show y'all up. Y'all didn't say food. <laughs> well, y'all, y'all buried the lead, as they used to say in the business. Food, food. yes, free food. <laughs> oh my goodness! How can it? How, how much better can it be? You know, talking about your kids' education and free food and free parking to boot. So, uh, yeah. Well, well, you know, I'm wishing you all the best for a a, a good community conversation. Uh, you're in good hands with Karen. Uh, you're in extremely good hands, and I'm sure she's going to get uh, you know just just uh, treat you to a really good uh, discussion and 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 a really good event. So, uh, again. Thank you all. And the website again? EmpoweredFamiliesNB.org. And thank you for having us. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Kimberly Graham and Susan Sargent, all the best to you. Thanks again. Right, thank, thank you, you for having us. Bye. Bye-bye. And that's all the time we have for right now for Community Connection. A uh, reminder, we are always Praise AM 1310 and 95.1 FM, Indy's Inspiration. Don't forget about our website, praiseindy.com. Willie Moore Jr. on the radio is up next. Thank you, as always, for listening, participating, and being a part of the show. We'll talk again tomorrow. As always, please be out there, be safe, and be well. I'm Tina Cosby, and this is Community Connection. Attention families, it's time for a conversation about public education and the future of our city.